Hello, everybody. Jimmy Dunn here. And I want to welcome you today as we are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. All this past week, I've been really just soaking in the scripture of the events that took place leading up to the trial and the crucifixion of our Lord and then the resurrection of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. One of the texts that I've been looking at and and asking God just to to help me to see what he would have me to see is found in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. And I want to share those verses with you, and then we're going to take just a brief look this morning. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Well, praise God for that. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? And immediately they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb, and they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles and their words seemed to them like idle tales but they did not believe them but Peter arose and ran to the tomb and stooping down he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened now if we could just take a moment to think about What must have been going through their minds? Because prior to the resurrection of Jesus, it was evident in the disciples and followers of Jesus' mind that they had a lapse or a crisis of belief. And Jesus had already spoken about his death, but he also spoke about his resurrection. But everything was in a fog at this moment because many of his followers had stayed behind from a distance to watch the execution of Jesus. They were fearful. They felt like all hope was about to end with the death of Jesus. They thought about some of the things he said prior to this, but They were in shock. Can you imagine what Mary, the mother of Jesus, must have been feeling? Because she knew years ago that this day was coming. But she also knew that Jesus would rise again because she knew he was a son of God. But now, at this point, particularly at the resurrection, 
it nailed it down for her. Now, they were confused. They were perplexed. The Bible says on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, that they went to the tomb to bring spices, which they had prepared. They were going to, out of love, place these different spices around Jesus's body, which was customary of embalmment. But when they got there, they found the stone had been rolled away. And that's very, very important. The tomb was empty, but discovering that empty tomb was the greatest discovery in human history. The great tragedy is that most people either are not aware that Jesus arose or do not believe that he arose. And the truth is, everyone has to discover the fact for himself or herself. The empty tomb and the risen Lord have to become a personal discovery for every person. Now, in a moment, we're just going to take a few minutes because the there's so many so many truths here that are in the scripture um, and for this event, historical event, that in one lesson, in one message, it would take so many and so much time. But in a moment, we're going to look at Peter because in that 11th verse, it says, when he heard all these things, it basically he ran to the tomb to see that empty tomb. Because prior to that, if you'll remember, Peter had denied the Lord three times, three times. Now, what was it about this stone that had been rolled away from the entrance? Well, just a little history. Cave tombs were closed oftentimes by rolling a huge, um, what archeologists have said was a cartwheel-like stone in front of an entrance. And they were almost impossible to remove. And one of the reasons is they, there was a deep slanting groove that had been cut out of the rock at the base of the entrance for, in this case, a circular stone that would rest in. Now, we're told that those stones usually weighed anywhere between one to two, possibly three tons. And so these precautions, these precautions were essential because there were so many tombs that were ransacked in those days of poverty. But Jesus's tomb was further secured by being sealed. And when it was necessary to seal a tomb, that huge stone was actually cemented to the entrance walls or some type of rope or binding was wrapped around the entrance stone and it was fastened to both sides of the tomb. Then that binding was cemented with a hardening clay or what some experts say was some type of wax-like substance. And so in the case of some burials, usually political figures, the seal of the emperor 
was also attached to the walls of that entrance. And one of the reasons why was that this was to strike fear of Roman retaliation against any intruder. And in the case of Jesus's tomb, further precautions were taken by placing a patrol to guard against any foul play. And this guard consisted of a large number of men. Now, in Matthew 28:4, when we find that the angels rolled that stone away, in Matthew 28:4, the Bible says the guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. That they became like dead men. I mean, you think about that. They knew that if something happened to Jesus, if something happened that thieves came and stole the body, that they were subject to death. They were subject to crucifixion themselves. And so there were so many components, so many things that were happening and their minds were just, they were perplexed. There was a lot of fear. And so again, I want to go back to Peter because when he had heard about the resurrection, as Mary and all of them came to, to describe what they found, he made a beeline to that tomb. He had to see it to believe it. And you know, there are a lot of people today that they they have to see things to believe it rather than take it by faith. And that's a hard place to be in sometimes, particularly when we're in a state of confusion, a sense of hopelessness and helplessness, when we may find ourselves in a dark place of despondency or depression or become so discouraged and there may be somebody out there this morning you feel discouraged you feel despondent you feel like your situation has you in such a dark place that nobody or nothing could ever pull you out of it but my friend I want to tell you there's good news and that's why we're celebrating Jesus's resurrection today No matter how bad things get, there is always new grace and mercy found through Jesus. And had Jesus not died and gone through what he did and rose again, then none of us would have hope. Some of you have strayed away from God. Some of you years ago when you committed your life to Christ, when you received him as your Lord and Savior, you were so on fire for God, you were so on fire to do his will and his purposes. And nothing was gonna stop you. Very dogmatic about things, very committed. Well, you see, that's the way Peter was. Simon Peter was that way. Three different times as Jesus is describing to his disciples one night, as they gathered together, he told them about his impending arrest 
and his crucifixion, but he also told them he would rise again on the third day. Well, all of this didn't make sense. They had been with Jesus approximately three years in Jesus' public ministry. They saw him cast out demons. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him perform all these miracles. And in their mind, this is crazy. Jesus would never allow something like an arrest and a persecution and a crucifixion to happen. But Peter said, you know what? If that does happen, I will fend for you. I will die for you, Jesus. And three different times he said that. And then Jesus responded to him, if you'll remember, he said, Peter, Peter, Satan has asked permission to sift you as wheat. And he said, all of you are going to scatter. Peter said, I will not. There is no way. And Jesus said, yes, you will. But when you come back, I will strengthen you and you'll strengthen the others. Well, once Jesus was crucified, all that just went out the door with Peter because he had denied Christ three times and his heart was broken. What about you? Have you denied Christ? You know, the truth is every time we sin, every time we do those things that we know we shouldn't do, we break the heart of God because he loves us so much. And with breaking God's word and commands, there will always be consequences, just like being obedient to God will always bring forth positive consequences. So here Peter is, he runs to that empty tomb and sure enough, he finds that it's empty. And so a little while later, and this is found in the 21st chapter of John, in beginning in verse 15, and I want you to listen to this. Try to put yourself there. Let's go back to verse 11. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to a land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Now, keep in mind, they knew that this was Jesus. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Verse 13, Jesus then came and took the bread, gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Now, verse 14 says, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And here's a pivotal mark in scripture. So when they had eaten breakfast. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my lambs. And Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? 
And Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Then tend my sheep. And Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And the Bible says Peter was grieved because Jesus said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Verse 18, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish to go. And this he spoke, signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken these things, he said to him, follow me. So as we look here, we find that this Impulsive Peter, who had said he would go to the cross with the Lord. Is now in the presence of Jesus post death and seeing him in his resurrected state. Now, Jesus asked Peter three different times, three different times, if he loved him. Now, there's something really important about this. It's as if Jesus was taking Peter back to the beginning before he was the rock. And Jesus looked across that fire and he addressed Peter, who was dejected by his original given name, Simon, the son of John. And incidentally, Simon is based on a Hebrew name, Simeon, which is in turn based on another Hebrew verb, Shama, which means to hear, to hearken, or to heed. And so the time had come for Jesus to address Peter's deepest wound. You see, God does that with you and I. He comes to us to address and deal with our deepest wounds and failures. And were it not for Jesus' perfect compassion, his message or question could have been considered cruelty. In the Greek language, there are three words for love basic words. One is eros, and it describes that euphoric in love feeling of romance that's before the honeymoon ends. A second word is philia or phileo, and this word describes that warm affection shared by friends, close family members, and it means to treat somebody as one of one's own people. And the Greeks held that type of love in high regard. 
because it was a deep emotional connection between people. But then there's a third word, agape. And it's rarely found outside of Jewish and Christian literature. Unlike short-lived eros, agape love is not impetuous, but it is steady and deliberate. Whereas phileo describes affection, agape speaks of loyalty. It's a type of love that is active and not self-seeking. And the New Testament writers drew upon this word to express that kind of love that Jesus lived and he taught, agape. Agape loves God first and then loves neighbor as self and loves enemies and friends alike. Agape love is not fueled by emotion but rather out of true, deep, godly love. And so Jesus asks Simon about his agape love. And so the first time Jesus said, Simon, do you love me? Jesus used the term, the Greek word agape. Do you love me selflessly? Not selfish, but selflessly. Do you love me? with the same kind of love I love you. And Peter came back and responded with philia or phileo. Lord, you know I love you like a brother very closely. And then again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love agape me more than these? And Peter once again said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, phileo, love you like a brother. Jesus said, then tend my lambs. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Agape me. You know I love you, phileo, a friendly type, brotherly love, and shepherd my sheep. And the last time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But this time, Jesus used the same Greek word that Peter did. And he said, Simon, do you phileo me? In other words, you say you love me like a brother. Do you really, truly even love me like a brother? Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, phileo you. And Jesus said, tend my sheep. All of the impulsive zeal and the type personality that Peter had because he was impetuous. He did things before he thought them out. He did have pride. Jesus met him where he was at. You know, it's really easy when you come across someone who says, 
or who has failed and faltered in the Christian life. It's easy to say, well, I'd have never do that. I'd have never done that. Be very careful. That old adage, never say never is true. Jesus met Peter right where he was at. And many scholars say he was reinstating. He forgave Peter and he reinstated him back into the ministry. Listen, no matter where you've been, how far away from God you've gone, it only takes one step back. And you may say, Jimmy, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. I know what I've done in the past. I know my sin very intimately. And it has crushed me many times. But because of today, the resurrection of Jesus, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the blood of Jesus can make everyone free. Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. And if there's somebody out there today, you've blown it. I mean, you've made a mess of it. Years ago, you committed to God and you said, I will follow you to the end. But you got in a situation for whatever reason and you gave in to sin. And you think God could never use you again. Let me tell you something. Peter denied Jesus three times. And that was very important for us to get. But Jesus came back to him. He didn't leave him flopping around in self-pity and self-misery. But he said, look, through my death, burial, and resurrection, I've come to give life. And I can take what you've done, Peter, your failures, just give them to me. And I can make something beautiful out of this. And you know the rest of the story. Peter became a pillar for the church. God's not through with you. There is an empty tomb. And there is a risen Savior. Father God, thank you for loving us. And I want to lift up each person that's listening today who may be broken, shattered, who may be far away from you. May you do what only you can do. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the death, burial, and most of all, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.